0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Jeff Mahoney, the outstanding columnist from the Hamilton Spectator, joins us to talk about all kinds of things from the Governor General to the Olympics to Bigfoot and even to whether or not he would eat meat grown in a lab. Stick around, lots to talk about.
1: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
0: It is Friday. It is time to dive into something we like to call the brightest conversation in Hamilton radio. And uh, let me tell you a little something about the guy who's on today with me to talk about the issues of the week. When I was a summer student, way back in the dark ages at the Hamilton Spectator, there was a guy at the paper already back then who could turn a phrase and write in ways that I, it always amazed me. And I always thought someday I want to be able to turn a phrase and write like that guy. And he's still there and he's still doing it. And he is still the guy who can turn a phrase better than anyone else. And his name is Jeff Mahoney and he joins us now. Sir, how are you today?
2: Well, I'm fine. I'm even better after that uh, flattering introduction, uh, Scott. So, well, you, uh, you've you heard
0: this many times. I've told you this many times, but for people, the the audience doesn't know. One of the lines that has always stood out, and I've remembered it, always was, Jeff was writing about a band, and they were a, a heavy metal band, and I always remember that what Jeff's line was, this is music to rev your chainsaw to. And that always <laughs> stuck with me. I said, I, I've got to someday come up with a line like that that someone else will remember. I'm still working on it, but anyway, thanks for doing this.
2: Oh, you've turned many a phrase it's the the... Uh... The uh, student has become the master. What can I tell you, Scott? Uh, Let me
0: ask you about another phrase, Jeff. You didn't coin this one, I don't think. I think this was done before you. Um, But we've always heard that money doesn't buy happiness. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, There's a study now out of the University of Pennsylvania's The Wharton School, which I guess is a business school. And they've done a survey of over 30,000 people. And guess what they discovered about that little saying?
2: money can buy happiness.
0: (laughs) That that is what they have found. The more money you have to a certain point, the happier you are, which I kind of, I don't know if I'm surprised by that. It's kind of what I would expect. I mean, you know, they give us that cliche, but I've never really bought into that cliche.
2: Well, Scott money, if it can't buy you happiness and can get you pretty close, um, (laughs) and it could even get you good looks, um, I come by mine naturally. I was upgraded from uh, <laughs> danger dangerously handsome to ridiculously handsome yeah. and that helps because i don't have a lot of money <laughs> so well I've look I, stay i'm happy somehow i don't i
0: don't buy the concept that you must have billions of dollars, but the idea behind this and what they're saying is those who do have the ability to have enough money to make some choices of their own and do some things they like to do generally it does translate into more happiness in your life. I don't think it's a, I don't think you can say that across the board. I don't think this necessarily means if you don't have money you can't be happy,
2: but I think it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It sure does. I'm um, you can flip the phrase around a bit Scott and you can say that poverty almost ensures a certain level of misery. I mean, you can be happy and poor, but it's a struggle. And if you've got material wealth, it's not so much the money, I don't think, Scott. It's that the money gets you a certain amount of control and leverage in your life, which you otherwise would really struggle to have. So it's not the money per se. I think it's what it gets you. And Maybe it's too bad that we need money to, to have that. I mean some people have that they they can get that control by sheer force of personality or talent, but ultimately if you play your cards right, that, that will translate into money. Um so I mean it's a I, I don't know who came up with the expression money can't buy happiness. I they were talking about I think at the deepest the deepest level, you can be you can have money and be profoundly unhappy. There's no question about that. But that's your own see, damn fault. If you spend well, that much money Jeff, I, and you're still making the wrong choices, then um, your, your, your problems lie deeper than any kind of material advantage. Can be.
0: I don't know how far this experiment and this poll and this survey they did went. But see, I, I would I would bet that if you were to follow the curve, that the generally, you know, up to a certain amount of money, you can feel more joy or, or, or at least as you say, the freedom to be able to do some things. But I bet you that if you get up to a point where you have so much money, I, I would bet that the, the curve would start to drop again. Cause now you're concerned about losing your money. You're concerned about all these things yeah. that come with it. I, I think there's probably, and I don't know what the number is. I bet you there is a point though, at which this parabola starts to head downward, even though your income or your money continues to go up.
2: Can I just say two words that, illustrate your point so vividly. Lottery winners. I mean, I know it's it's kind of canard. I don't know if it's statistically true, but it's or if it's kind of quasi urban legend, but you hear all these stories about people winning the lottery, ridiculous amounts of money, tens of millions of dollars. And then they do the follow up five years later and they've lost it all or they're they're miserable. But you can imagine how your life just gets turned on its head when you get that kind of money all your friendships begin to become suspect because you wonder whether people are hanging around you to get some crumbs. And you worry about your security because when you've got that much money and it gets around, people are going to want to break into your house because they're going to think or or they're going to want to kidnap you or or whatnot. I mean, it's a sad thing, and I don't know that it's uh, broadly true across the board, but I mean, whether... That's the case. You're not. You'll have a paranoia about it. I mean, I barely have to lock. I barely (laughs) have to lock my doors because (laughs) I think people intuitively feel that there's nothing in this place that's
0: worth. it. you know you're not doing well when people when people break into your house and leave stuff behind extra for you (laughs) when you when you discover more furniture.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jeff, let me give you some numbers, which I, I'm, I'm trying to work my, my head around on this one. Israel has vaccinated now 25% of all of its citizens. Israel is up to 25%. Uh, United Arab Emirates is second. They've done 21%. This is as of Tuesday this week. Bahrain, 8.4% and third. United Kingdom is 7% of their residents, of their citizens they've vaccinated. Even the United States, with all the stuff that was going on down there, is at almost 4%. Canada is at 1.6% of citizens who have been vaccinated. And now the Pfizer vaccines have dried up until at least February. There's not going to be any more deliveries. Should we be angry about this or what should we be thinking about
2: this? It it mystifies me. I, I, I don't read as much as I should about the politics and logistics of how vaccines are... Are gotten to different places and how they, uh, how they're prioritized. But I, 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 we should be angry. Yes. I mean, this is our way out. We've been looking, we waited for the better part of last year for, for the sky to open a little bit. And it did when the vaccines were ready, I think a little sooner than people thought. And yet, uh, where are we? How much further ahead are we? So I, I, I don't know whose fault that is. Is it a function of power? I mean, why does Israel have such great access to it? It may also have to do with, um, the cohesiveness of a country, uh, the, um, Maybe the level of authoritarianism that there there might be, I, I don't know if this helps. Yeah, well, I but mean that the, look, but that the Americans are ahead of us is is I mean, uh, although I, I I think the Americans had enough quotes that they could just make sure that they had the first batches. But,
0: well, they also um, make it right. They have they, they have manufacturing well, capability that we don't have, which is a problem that we've gotten rid of that. But there's also apparently the story is uh, according to Global News, Canada has ordered. Um more coronavirus vaccine doses per capita. So not the most overall, but per capita, Canada has ordered more vaccine doses than anyone else. And yet we're on the outs. And, and And it does make me wonder about power or about what is going on politically that we seem to be unable while other places can bring this in, while we seem to be lagging behind or being left behind. And And, and it's not a compliment. I mean, it really isn't. It's not
2: oh, a compliment. No, this shouldn't be happening. Uh, but I was reading that some of the big powers in Europe, or the you know the major players, I can't remember right offhand. what I think it was France and Poland uh, uh, contracted to have vast amounts of vaccine, and only portions of what they contracted to get showed up. So I think some of this uh, is down to. Logistical failures or uh, or breakdowns at the uh, at the manufacturing end or the distribution end. I mean, these things are going to happen, but they seem to be much more widespread. Not just Canada, but uh, um, other other places as well. And it's tragic because you you hate to think that the the progress of this virus is not being slowed down because of you know logistical or bureaucratic uh i mean canada is notoriously bureaucratic and uh maybe it has something to do with that maybe we're being overly well, careful I've... Uh, you know the decision making chain is a big part of it too but i think in canada uh decisions get so spread out and and that can be a good thing but it also in a case like this you needs somebody to just to no, know this is coming and these are the things that have to be put in place and get get in gear and and do it or you're gone. Uh, you
0: talk about the bureaucracy and I mean, I think there is something to that. I also think, and I, you know, I know that not everyone agrees and I've had guests on the show who haven't agreed, but when we go back to the start of this vaccine or this, uh, this pandemic, pardon me, we have here in the country, we have had advice that has been given from the senior leadership that immediately is overturned. We can't close the borders. Well, we have to close the borders. We can't stop the yeah. planes from coming in. Well, we should stop flights from coming in. You shouldn't yeah. wear a mask. Yes, you should wear a mask. It, like I, so much of this, and, and again, I don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but you do wonder if advice was not given quickly enough or if the idea to jump on board was not given quickly enough. Yeah. It, it just seems, Jeff, that like Canada is, not, I mean, I know numerically, population wise, we're not one of the biggest players in the world. But certainly when you talk about spending power and other things like that, I I don't think we should be lagging this far behind. I don't expect to be up with the countries that are the biggest, that have the most people that Pfizer or Moderna want to get into, but we shouldn't be way at the back of the
2: pack. No, it's kind of disgraceful. Uh, And um, I, I I can't fathom uh, what's, what's at the root of it. Uh, because we did seem to come out of the gates pretty well. We we got the numbers down over the summer. Of course, they came roaring back as they did almost everywhere. But um, but the initial response was good. We seemed to um, yeah just fallen off. Uh, just... We've we seemed to prosecuted the first the very first lockdown well. But then then it, it of course also that the advice seemed to change everywhere. I mean everybody was. You know, scrambling. It was a
0: moving target. We got to take a very it a quick break, but yes, it, I wasn't just it,
2: Canada. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if our leadership was particularly bad on it, but uh, I mean, everybody was scrambling. And look at the Brits. The Brits are, are just reeling, and the Americans. But um, in terms of vaccine, we should be right up there. I mean,
0: we should. You know, this, we should. The country has
2: a tradition of, you know, research and um, and efficacy
1: in this area. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jeff Mahoney joins me this evening. Jeff from the Hamilton Spectator, columnist,
1: great writer. can I interrupt you
2: for a second? Absolutely. Could you pitch me some easier questions? You ask me why we don't have vaccines. You're asking me if money (laughs) can buy happiness. I'm telling you with the money you're paying me to be on your show, I'm not getting any happier.
0: Okay, so what is the meaning of life, Jeff?
2: Uh, well, we, I'll, I'll <laughs> keep it. Terrible. I
0: won't. <laughs> well, let's let's see if this one's any easier. We we saw yesterday that Governor General Julie Payette stepped down after we heard a report had come out that said that she was a bit of a terror, I guess, running Rideau Hall. Uh, let's start with this. Do you do you even know? And I don't mean this as a insult,ing because I think most people. How closely, maybe I should say it this way, how closely do you ever follow what the governor general is doing or
2: really know what that role is all about? Well, toxic workplace syndrome by the sounds of it. I I, I can't imagine um, having a role like that. I guess maybe she has to be so nice and decorous in her behavior that when she's you become a wall.
0: maniac at home.
2: But you know, <laughs> you're right. The only Governor General I really paid attention to was Adrian Clarkson, if you remember her, and she yes. was in hot water. All oh, that travel that she was doing, spending a oh no end of money. I mean, above and beyond, I think what you'd expect from a Governor General. So I I paid attention to it a bit then. But I'm um, trying to think of other. The governor. Jean have haven't been that controversial. Maybe that um, Michel Jean
0: was it. Michel Jean was, Michel- and she got in trouble Jean. because she was alleged to have been sympathetic to Quebec separatists. Whether that's yeah. true or not. Her, um, her but then you have David. A... Jo- you have David Johnson, and then way back you have Jean Sauvé, and, and who were who were by all accounts excellent at their job. But the interesting was they were from everything I've ever known almost completely boring, which almost now says that's the key to doing this job. Just be yep. there, smile, pin orders of Canada on people and otherwise don't do anything to get yourself noticed.
2: <laughs> I think that's a qualification for the job. I'd be great at it, you know, bland. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, inoffensive, um, but I'd love the, uh, I'd love the free travel. Yeah. I'd love the perks. For sure. Well, let me
0: tell you another perk that uh, we learned about today. And um you mentioned, I mean, it's a toxic workplace scenario. That's what we're talk that's what we're hearing about. She had to resign because of this report. And yet we learned today that she is still eligible to get hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in pension for having this job. <laughs> is that for all? life? For life. Well, but she only did the job for two years, three years. Like it seems she couldn't even complete it. It seems a outrage, but this is, Jeff, this is public sector money. It's ridiculous pension for a job you've barely done, and you had to leave the job because of seeming misbehavior, and you're still eligible for the very same pension. How how is that even possible?
2: Well, let me throw an even more outrageous example of that. The the guy, and I don't want to get into any legal trouble here, one of the hospitals who is away... And and still was claiming his million dollar sort of uh, severance pre prenup uh, guarantee. Yeah, that's 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 revolting. But it happens, Scott. I'm afraid to say, just about at every level of government it seems, and and even even in private industry where people are just you know would just go away. Yeah, yeah, your pensions intact. Well, they, it's just it's just hush money or it's just but Whatever. Jeff
0: here's the problem with it here's the problem if it's you in know, they private sue sector her
2: breach of contract she didn't do her job she couldn't she
0: well couldn't yeah but if you're staff, in probably if you're in private sector um that's you know that's your own money whoever the the, uh, yes. the board is or the owner you can decide how you want to do with that whether you sue or not public sector money to me we got to be much more careful with it and we don't we, we fling it around even more willy-nilly and this to me exactly this should be one where they say I'm sorry. You've had to leave because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. It's not, it can't be that difficult a job to shake hands and go travel around and, and glad hand people. And you couldn't do that. Why are we paying you for the rest of your life? Exactly. That's exactly. Right. I, I'm sorry. And, I, I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't understand you know, how we are so free with the public purse.
2: But also, it raises this whole, um, in our society about the toxic boss and the toxic workplace, and it it often comes from people you least expect it from, like Ellen DeGeneres, wow, what a revelation, and she's, you know, such a benign public image, and then beneath, she's just uh, a tyrant, so it's it's just, have you ever had a uh, ever had a toxic boss? I mean,
0: <laughs> um I'm trying I mean look
2: let's be careful here.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean I, look we've all had bosses where we've not necessarily agreed with everything they've done yeah. or we've butted heads at times professionally but I've never had a a boss where every single day I came to work and I thought oh man I'm going to get just chowed on today and I can't stand it. i have thankfully I've never had that.
2: Yeah, I know I can't say I have um well I I um I was the um the secretary at the meetings of the Hell's Angels for a while, and, um, <laughs> before they became an illegal. I mean, that that was pretty. Intimidating. That was pretty rough. Oh, no, I've it. never. And and this is not just one. I I don't know. It's a toxic workplace. So I don't know if that's down to one boss or if she's affected the whole feeling. But um, it must. Well, she, but yeah, know. I mean, you do that, and then you still get paid. I mean, where's the
1: incentive Where's the disincentive? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jeff, just before the break, and it's it's a great word that you raise when you're when we're talking about this because we learned today apparently she's going to be getting her pension and you know it, it, this is despite having to resign because of this report that apparently outlined a pretty rough, difficult, toxic workplace at Rideau Hall. And you said, disin- "Where's the disincentive?" And it's it's a fantastic word because where is the disincentive if if in the government you basically seemingly can't get fired. And even if you are fired, you're still going to walk away with a handsome payout. Where, where is the disincentive? It, it, it seems like there's no, there's no downside. I mean, you, you know what, if, if you want to pay me to leave and get $150,000 a year and I can then go and try and find another job, Hey, knock yourself out, try and get rid of me. It, it, it just seems like it's something's missing.
2: Scott, I just want to say this. Publicly, for the record, if for some reason I can't complete my duties as your guest today, I am going to give you back the pen set. That, uh, <laughs> that, you,
0: that yeah, it's not one hundred and fifty thousand in a perennial pension for doing the show. No, but
2: I'll give it back because I take great pride, and I, I, you know, I, I have. It's it's the disincentive should be their own reputation, their own sense of self respect, and if you yes. If you screw up that badly, own it and and do it. But I mean, but most of these people won't. I don't know if they don't have pride or if their lawyers are telling them they'll take the money. But I mean, it just it leaves a bad taste. It really does. And she had a good. What, what, what was she? What was her background? She was. In, in athletics wasn't she or she was an at well yeah.
0: she was an astronaut at first and then she was oh. she helped run the montreal uh science center and did a bunch yeah, of other absolutely. things yeah. she was with ibm yeah, before, way before yeah. then and
2: yeah yeah, uh, yeah and, she's, and, and that's all you know it's a great you know glowing kind of resume and and high esteem high public favor and you now I, I don't know is it it's too bad that's too bad, but yeah, and, and it's too bad we're continuing to pay uh, her salary out of or her pen or whatever pension pension. Let
0: it's me ask you another one
2: out of our out of the public monies.
0: So. Yeah, which which is always out of the public. And let me ask you another one, Jeff. And this one I, I found very interesting yesterday. I mentioned it on the show yesterday, and I, I put it aside because I wanted to talk about it today. She put out a statement yesterday as she was resigning, and it's a very long statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing; it would take half the show to read through it. But this line was written in her statement buried in the middle of it. We all, and she's talking about, uh, there was the review of the work climate and she encouraged this, blah, blah, blah. And employees participated, quote, we all experience things differently, which sounds almost exactly like what the prime minister said when he was accused of groping that reporter in Kokuni. And he said, you know, we may have experienced this or she may have experienced it differently. And I, I, when I read this, I thought, is this Julie Payette throwing a barb at the prime minister? Because, you know, if he's going to use the line, I can use the line and I'm going to throw shade on him. Or is this the new line out for anybody in any circumstance to say, hey, something may have happened, but they just experienced it differently from me?
2: Well, it's an abdication. This resignation of hers did not just come out of a vacuum i'm sure there were inquiries into it and i and i i would bet that this is not one or two people complaining about her it's probably a systemic thing right through her office so say it's a matter of uh, your perception against mine no this is this is a whole workplace that is mutinied against you because you've been intolerable. And, um, I guess if she's going to take the money as she runs, maybe she can justify by saying, you know, I'm innocent till proven guilty. That's what they say. And, but when it's a situation like this, where there, there's so many people coming forward, it's, it's, um, it's, it's hard to say how that's what how they perceive it I mean but you experienced it differently even with Trudeau I guess you know it's 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 his word against her word but this is uh and it's not a whole lineup of people like there was for Bill Cosby but for for her I mean this is a whole workplace that has been infected so how can you say that's your experience yeah my experience was bad and you made it bad
0: Well, but this seems like it. I'm hoping this is not. This is now number two, right? So, so one is an outlier. Two starts to become a copycat. Three is a pattern. I hope we don't see number three because I hate to think that this is now going to be the the phrase that people use left, right, and center. Anytime someone says, "Well, we just experienced it differently," I know you ran me over in your car, but you just experienced that differently. No, it's not. It's 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 not.
2: It's It's either real or it's it's not. It's glib and it's facile. It's 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 you know it's saying I don't feel your pain. Sorry, I don't feel your you feel pain, but I don't I feel it differently. So you know it, it's so it's not. Don't put it on me. Like she's saying, don't put it on me. Like it's, it's how you perceive it. I don't perceive it that way. It's a cop out. It's a cop out. And she's you know and yeah. I hope it's not a pattern. I hope this is not. But you know there uh, for for. A time on uh, on a time without end. Uh, people who are caught with their hand in the cookie jar find a way to sort of excuse their behavior or put it on somebody else.
0: Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know, it's, we it's, got it's, we got to take a we got to take one more break here, Jeff, but one this this to me is very much like the old standard apology line saying if anybody was offended, which is I'm not really sorry. I didn't really do anything yeah, wrong, yeah. but if you I, misinterpreted you were, my actions. Yeah. yeah, sorry that you misinterpreted my yeah, Yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, that, that stinks.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jeff, let me ask you this. You, um, Your job at The Spectator, among other things, is to write about people and things around the city of Hamilton. You did not know I was going to ask you this question, so it, it's it's hitting you cold. But who is, in, in your mind, who is the most interesting person in Hamilton <laughs> that you've dealt with? I mean, you've, you've dealt with a lot of people that may be famous or may have absolutely no notoriety or fame, but they just have a really interesting story. Who, who Who's someone male, female, doesn't matter that you think, you know, that was a story that nobody knew, or I, I just think they were the most fascinating person.
2: Oh boy. Uh, you, you really have caught me off guard. Uh, there are many, um, uh, you know, some of the people who work on the environment, Linda Lukasik-Foss, oh, I'm just groping here in the arts. Um, you know, Shelley Falconer at the Art Gallery of Hamilton is an interesting story. Um, was it not
0: you who just the other day wrote about the uh, the Elvis guy?
2: No, that was uh, who wrote about Elvis. Oh, is that the, someone else? Younger, okay, I thought that was you. Uh, Reports, but that's uh, that's. I don't know anything about him, but I know there are some great, accomplished, fascinating, or even problematic people who who are very. He, Sort of inherently interesting, and um, I'm just uh, uh, you know what I'll think of it at seven. Oh, of course, it'll just pop into my mind. But uh, but one, of the, one well, of the things that uh, I'm
0: one of the things I'm always. Yeah,
2: I think your listeners don't know that you work this full shift at the spectator, and then you you do your radio show, and you're you're a host at some of these you know B'nai Breath Awards, and I don't know how you find the energy to do it because. Um, I'm, i I'm, I'm napping half the day now that I'm working out of the house because. Well, well we, we all are doing geez. that.
0: We all are doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed though, with, with this city. Now I did, I did not grow up in Hamilton. I I've been here for way more than half my life now for all of my adult life. I've been in Hamilton, but I've always been amazed as someone who, you know, looks at this city at how many fascinating stories there are that get overlooked that when you all of a sudden someone says, have you ever written about so-and-so? Have you ever talked yeah. to so-and-so? And it's like, no, should I have? And it's, it's now maybe that's every city, maybe every city has that, but boy, it seems like Hamilton is just chock full of these interesting. And also let's use the word eccentric people who make for terribly amazing stories.
2: Yeah, they, they, they really do. I just did a feature on uh, the guy who ran the shoe clinic in Westdale and sadly he had a stroke and um, and so closed down the shop so I did a story on, on him and his shop and his long history as an Italian immigrant, generations of, of of cobblers and he just I, I, I hope I've got this right but he, I believe he, he did come and passed away uh, recently. But uh, Scott, I've got a list of story ideas and people to profile, and I could live four lifetimes, and I'd never get through it. Uh, and that's just in Hamilton. They're all Hamilton people, or people with strong Hamilton connections. But uh, people who are out there every day just doing good works, and, and um, uh, people with indwell, people who are working anti-poverty, you know, even the people who are... Uh, protesting for, don't care what side you're on and, and, and you might revile these people but uh uh either on the left or the right they're interesting people who who live out their their passions one of the most amazing people i've ever met scott uh she's a personal friend uh, aside from being a news story was regan russell who lost her life uh Earlier this year, at an animal protest, a, a oh right, yes, animal rights protest. But in particular, she would she would get up every Sunday, and it was her her worship service was to go down uh, to the meatpacking uh, place in Burlington and protest as the trucks came in. I don't know it's controversial, and and some people um, uh, think that what she did was wrong. But she protested, she exercised her right to protest, and when she died, she was protesting a bill that was passed in Ontario that prevented people from whistleblowing from inside the companies. And think what you want about it, but Regan Russell not only cared deeply about animal rights, but she did it in the gentlest way. People think that she was some wild-eyed radical, and, uh, and I'm not saying anything, we need her. Radicals, I, I suppose, uh, we we all find a place on the spectrum. But she was the most giving person, the most non-gender mental person, even when she was talking to people on the opposite side. She uh, had a gentleness about her, and she was a great friend to human and animal alike. She's a fascinating woman. And, mm. and Scott, I'll, I'll say this physically. Um, i don 't want to sound sexist or lookist, but she was a striking looking woman whether you find her beautiful or not but she was just strikingly and uh, she was a model for um uh, i 'm going on and on here I like to talk about other people, but I just feel, uh, it just came to me that she was one of them sadly she 's so sadly she 's gone, but she 's um we, we, God, we do I have know, to go or father and he's a fascinating person, too.
0: But. Jeff. We have to go to the news. We just have a few seconds left, like literally a few seconds left. But do you believe honestly, as a writer and as someone who does this a lot, and, and this is what you do for a career is, is profile people and do other things. Do you believe that any person, if you sat down with any person, regardless of who they were, what their background was, that you could cr- create a column, come up with a story with them when you talk to them and that everybody has a story.
2: Scott, everybody has a story. Uh, literally everybody i can but y- you know what um, the most interesting person i know is probably myself because everybody has a story <laughs> everybody has a story scott but they're not equally interesting and t- to to make sound interesting some of the boring people that i've had to profile i'm telling you i deserve a medal
0: <laughs> we'll we'll work on, on oh, mining everybody and, and crafting does have a
2: story and, and you just have to tap into it. And if I do make somebody sound interesting who you didn't think was interesting, it's because they are interesting. You just got
1: to listen. You just got to find the story. But it's there. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jeff, uh, let me ask you a question about food. We had last yeah. night on the show a biomedical engineer from McMaster who he and another uh, researcher have created sheets of meat in a lab in McMaster, at McMaster that uh, edible apparently you can now marble it you can make it out of they started with mouse but they didn't eat that then they had rabbit which they tried and they think they can do chicken and beef and pork and anything else would you if you a couple months or a year or two down the road go to the grocery store and see a sheet of lab cultivated lab grown meat would you eat that
2: i'd be suspicious, but that's probably a non-rational response. I, You know, maybe it's something kind of primal where you just, oh, that didn't come from an animal, but that would, it, intellectually, it would appeal to me. I mean, I think the reason most people are vegetarian is because they don't want animals to be killed so that they can please their palates. But, um, I think I could get used to it. I think I, cause I do like meat. I, I, um, I, I try to get off meat as much as I can, but uh, it's, 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 it's a hard habit to break.
0: Yeah. I think it's just the psychological part of it. Cause I, I mean, look, I like, I, I don't eat a ton of red meat anymore. Our family, we, I'll have some, I'll still have a steak now and then, or, a, you know, a hamburger now and then, but I'm not opposed to it, but, somehow, and I think I would probably eat it and I think I'd be fine with it, but the idea somehow of eating a sheet of meat that is made, not grown. I mean, it's grown. It's, it's, it's different. That's all it is. It's different. And as I said to the, the, the researcher yesterday, there's almost a kind of Frankensteinian idea behind (laughs) this that kind of makes you go, but will it taste the same as meat? And I guess you won't know until you try it. Yeah, it's,
2: um, yeah, I wonder. I mean, because the 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 product, the end product, is not come from an animal that's lived a life that's 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 had. Uh, things happen to it, or you know, that, it's had
0: experiences that experiences you can had tap a body
2: into that that <laughs> had to deal with certain things, and uh, or, I, I don't know what I'm saying. It's here, gone, through,
0: you, that's gone through. It's gone through a You know what I mean?
2: It just it just seems so abstract, like this this piece of meat that has no lived experience in it. But anyway, that maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's, but it, it does seem very sort of. Uh, day after tomorrow, future world, you know, what's next? (laughs)
0: Yeah. And and for the record, uh, for those who weren't listening last night, the meat is made, so it's initially started and it's grown from the cells of actual animals. So it's not a chemical thing that they've created. It's not a fake meat. It's, it's, it comes from, it's grown from real animal cells. You just don't have to have the animal, as you say. We don't have to, I don't know if the experiences that the animal goes through or what makes meat so delicious or or if it's what they eat. I don't know if we want a, a cow that's led lit a, lit a full life, if that makes the steak taste better. But, I mean, here's one area where I would be willing to give it a try, and I asked them this. I said, well, what about could you theoretically then create a Wagyu beef, which is, you know, super incredibly expensive to buy right now. Could you, in a pan create that and make it far less expensive and he says theoretically sure we could well that there's somewhere where you can see people jumping on board i can't afford three hundred dollars for a steak but for 30 sure i'll try it yeah yeah
2: what's wagyu beef how come it's so expensive
0: wagyu beef is a it's a japanese and it's got all it's the way it's grown and it's got it's marbled and it's got the uh, mm. well i uh, jeff i'll tell you yeah, it's, it's a breed and and uh, like I've never had it I'm not rich enough to have we started talking about money I I'm not in that category to be happy yet with because you have to have money to be happy we determined I, I'm not wagyu happy yet I'm just uh you know I'm 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 day after bargain bin steak at the uh at the discount store and then do it on the barbecue happy that's uh, but you know I I don't know though I would I would I would think that there will be a lot of people and and the idea is that this will eventually become a a thing that they will mass produce this. I would think there will be a lot of people who will try it. And I would think there'll be a lot of people for whatever reason who will say, nah, you know what? I need my beef to come from the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it is,
2: but in a way it's, it's the, uh, it's the ultimate dream for people who like meat, but feel bad about, you know, whether, you care about animal rights or not, I think that um nobody's nuts about the way meat is produced in these big huge factory uh, food factories uh, uh, so uh it it sounds like it would be a cleaner a cleaner product yeah a yeah cleaner food product but th- there is something kind of i don't know if Orwellian is the right word well, it's, 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 it's well meat uh, from a uh, meat from a test tube.
0: Well, and, and I mean, keep in mind, it was what, about a year or two ago when there was that, probably a year ago when there was that surge on with the, um, remember A&W came out with their burgers that were the plant-based, but it tasted exactly like meat, the near meat thing and beyond meat, the beyond, beyond meat, burgers, right. Was that it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beyond meat. And everybody yeah. had to race out and try it. And you know what? It did taste like meat. It tastes uh, very much like meat. I couldn't yeah. really tell the difference. If you know a, a tiny,
2: minuscule amount, I've had if you, it. It's really remarkable. Like it's it is. better than I thought it would be. It, it surprised me how.
0: But how you know what it was. No, but if you if you if if they offer this, I mean, it, it sounds like it's something I want to invest in because I, I have a feeling for at least the near term, when this thing first comes out, if they advertise it right, which seems to be a big part of this, I think an awful lot of people would say, "Yeah, I'll try it." I'll go out and try a square of steak. <laughs> <I> mean, that's, <laughs> that's the only strange part about it. It's going to be the shapes that you're going to get. You're, uh, yeah. you're not going to get a steak shape. It's going to be a square or a trapezoid of steak. <laughs>
2: that's true. Um, well, what's, what's next though? I mean, are they going to, are, are, they, are they going to clone clone cattle and, and other life forms so that they don't have to clear whole pastures of rainforest. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, maybe one cow, if you take one cow, you do a flash freeze of the cow. So you protect all the cells. And then since you're, you're growing this and cultivating it from single cells or from a few cells, maybe one cow can last year for 50 years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just, I just want to make sure that when the steak comes that I buy at the store, it's from the cells from the good part of the cow, not the utter steak, you know, (laughs) or the horn steak or the hoof steak or something that, uh, um, Jeff, let me switch for a second here. Let me jump over to something else. we got a few minutes left and I, I don't want to ask about this because, um, last night, um, quite late last night, I think it was, uh, a tweet came out from the Times, which is a newspaper in England, in the United Kingdom, for those who don't know. Yeah. And um, sources that they had talked to, and they were reporting that sources had said, the Olympics, Japanese officials have come to the conclusion the Olympics cannot go ahead this summer. There's not going to be, they're going to be canceled. The Japanese government and the International Olympic Committee came out within hours saying, completely untrue. We're plowing ahead. We're going ahead with the Olympics. It's going to happen in Tokyo this summer. Do you think it's possible? I mean, you're not necessarily a big sports guy, but you're a guy who is aware yeah, of what's going of on in the world. Is it possible at all, do you think, for the Olympics to happen this summer?
2: Oh, I just... It, it, seems, it seems like so many things have to fall into place for this to go on. I mean, uh, if you would have asked me, Scott, in April or May of 2020... I would have said yeah, certainly please by like a year and a year and a month for, or a year and two months from now we've got to be over this thing and uh, then the intervening months just thrown us for a loop I mean who who, who could have predicted all the things that have happened so now to, to get from a state where we're having thousands of new cases a day even in Canada and, and dozens of deaths and in the states, you know, a, a multiple of 10 times more than that. To have that all cleared up to the degree that they could have people travel, I suppose they could have a very limited Olympics where there are very, like, like the NFL, sparse sparse um, audiences, live audiences, and just mostly a TV event. I don't know. But, the, the, you know, getting those travel the, the villages what, what do you do about all that you are the sports guy I don't know what, well, what do you think can it happen somebody
0: somebody wrote today this was not my idea I wish I'd thought of this because it's a really clever idea and it may get them over the hump I, I I'm doubtful. I and I and I feel first of all, I'm doubtful and I feel terrible about that. And I've written it for tomorrow for the paper. I feel terrible about that and here's why. Not because I want to watch the Olympics although I do enjoy it. Yeah. The people, the athletes who train for this for four years, in this case, five years, they have committed, and this is all they do. They have committed five years of their life to this. It's, Mm -hmm. it's painful to me, the thought that this would get pulled out from under them. And those five years are gone. That, 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 that is, that's awful. But somebody came up with the brilliant suggestion. Well, what if you extended the time of the Olympics by double? So instead of two weeks, it's four weeks. And what we do now is we have half the sports go in the first two and half the sports in the second two. So we have only half the number of people in the athletes village. So we can spread people out and make individual rooms and all the rest of the stuff. And I thought, well, you know, if any idea might work, that's as close to a good idea as I've heard so far.
2: Where did you hear that? That's, that is, I right? can't, I can't
0: remember yeah. who wrote it. And I wish I could give credit cause yeah. it is, it's not my idea. I want to make sure it's not my idea, but I yeah. thought that's, that is, as I say, that's as close to an idea you would say, you know, that could really make sense as I've heard, because a lot of the other ones are, you know, don't invite certain countries where there's high COVID. Well, uh, uh, you know, that can be a moving target. One day they can be really high and then a week later it could be really low. I mean. Yeah, precisely. So I don't know. I don't know. But I, am I just, I, I feel, I feel terrible for the athletes who are working at this and have no idea if they're actually going to be competing.
2: And, Scott, for a world that's just been it's just tossed into the doldrums over all of this, it would be such a high to have it happen. Because, um, let's face it, for the vast majority of the world, I, I mean, except for a tiny, tiny sliver, the Olympics is a TV event. And it, 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 it doesn't matter that there would be a live audience or not. People are watching it from their homes and i think it would pick them up to see athletic excellence and the competition the striving i think it would be if we were starting to turn the corner around that time of the summer it would be such a boost uh, for people's spirits
0: you know uh jeff i i've argued this many times in the past and as
2: you say forget about what it would do for us but for the athletes who've spent so much of their their lives preparing for these moments. Yes.
0: Well, and as I said, I've said this in the past and, and it is, it goes to the part about us, but think of the moments in, and we'll just choose Canada. We'll just talk about Canada. The moments in Canadian history where we have probably felt the most Canadian or where more people in the country have been focused on the same thing and feeling good. I don't mean fighting. I mean, feeling positive about what's going on. And I would argue that probably almost all of them would be sports related. Not all, but yeah. Paul Henderson and Sidney oh, Crosby sure. scoring and the first gold medal in Vancouver and Joe Carter hitting the home run and the Blue Jays first World Series and Donovan Bailey winning the 100 meters and Terry Fox and like these. So yeah, we've been through a crappy stretch and you're exactly right though. This is the kind of thing, as much as it may just be sports and I get it, it may, it's just games, but it has the potential if we're coming out of this to be an uplifting thing for people around here. But, but I don't know. I'm, I'm as much as I would love to say it would happen. I, I, I don't want to be a a pessimist, but I'm, I've got my doubts.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical. I don't want it to be the thing where people want it so much that, um, they, they make it happen, even though it's not safe. There was a situation, um, uh, Scott, it's, it's it's totally off a topic, but it's not. Where a uh, theater company in in Halton tried to put on something, and their tensions were so good, and their preparations were were really exhaustive. And they, but um, they went ahead and did something, and it turned into a, a kind of a spreader event, it and it, it backfired, and. And you'd hate to see that happen with the Olympics, just because. And and people were really getting behind it because they they wanted this to happen. They they wanted it to be successful. They they wanted to be able to show COVID. Yeah, we can do this, and and we can do we can exercise caution, and still have joy despite what you've done to us. But it it, it didn't work, and I don't want the Olympics to be that because it'll be uh, that well, that would set the Olympics back.
0: <laughs> well it would set so everything far. back i mean
2: if they go ahead with it and it turns out to be disaster some kind of super spreader thing
0: well think of the challenge of this so you talk about the one at halton and that's all uh, presumably local people who you know somebody may have come with it but now you go to the olympics and you're bringing people from all over the world so even if canada has gotten its numbers down hopefully by then you know what happens if two or three olympians come home with it And I don't know if two or three people can start a whole super spreader thing, but you know, like you, you just, that's, that's why I'm looking at this thing. I just, I don't know how they're going to do it, but boy, do I ever hope that they can figure out a way to make this happen. And, you know, maybe, maybe even tell people, look, you got to be in Japan a month before and never leave your dorm. And, you (laughs) you know, and and you can't, and I mean, it'll hurt their training. Yeah, Maybe that's what it takes. I don't know. I don't know, but. You know what? We got to run, but we never even got around to talking about the uh, the Bigfoot hunting season in well, Oklahoma. D- I've, in I've Oklahoma, the... they're positioning a big fo- a Bigfoot hunting season. There is a um, who is it here? The uh, an Oklahoma lawmaker, an Oklahoma politician, has said that they're passing a law that will allow for a certain time of year to be Bigfoot hunting season.
2: <laughs> Scott, you continually amaze me. Your ability to find the offbeat, quirky story—I—I I, I frankly think you're making a lot of the stuff up. But even if you are, it's a—it's a credit to your imagination. I mean, that's <laughs> a bigfoot. Well, you know what? Um, I think bigfoot's here in Hamilton somewhere. I'm—I'm I'm sure of it.
0: Well, so you know, unlike our, remember we have we every year here we have the deer cull, right? Where where people, certain people are allowed there, you can hunt Bigfoot under this new law, but you can't shoot him or her. We always say shoot him. Why couldn't it be a her? Um, of course, because be. there's got to be a her Bigfoot if there's a you know a family of big feet. Um, but you can, you only can track.
2: Well, it could be nine binary. I mean, we we don't have to. We we have no idea whether these things are genderized or not. They well, might not somehow, exist. S-
0: somehow if I mean, they have, if they exist and if they have created and copulated and moved along, I guess somewhere must- in there, there's got to be a boy Bigfoot and a girl Bigfoot. And, but again, my biggest question in this, and we do have to go, is we don't call them as a plural. We don't generally call them Feet, but sh- that should be the name, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. If there are more than one, is it Bigfoots or are there several Bigfoots or several Feet? And you know, then there are two feet for each one, so it, it becomes mathematically complicated. <laughs> Scott, you, you you bring out the worst in me, I think, or the best. I'm not sure what it is. But
0: that is Jeff Mahoney. You can read it's him all joy, the time Thank in you. the Hamilton Spectator. Great writer. Thanks, Jeff, for doing this. Really appreciate it.
2: Tell me where I can pick up my pen set. I'll get.
0: I'll. Uh, we'll send you the text right now.
1: The Scott Radley Show weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML.